Anchored is a production of the Classic Learning Test, based in Annapolis, Maryland, reconnecting knowledge and virtue. Visit us at cltexam.com. Welcome back to the Anchored Podcast, the official podcast of the Classic Learning Test. My name is Soren Schwab, VP of Partnerships here at CLT, and today we have a very exciting guest. Jennifer Pepito is the founder of the Peaceful Press, a literature-based homeschool curriculum for children ages preschool through elementary. She has seven children and has been homeschooling for 25 years. Jennifer is also a Simplicity Parenting Coach and a Certified Life Coach. Jennifer, we're so thrilled to have you here today. Thanks so much for being on. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, we'd love to start off the Anchored Podcast by talking about our guest's own educational journey. So tell us a little bit about growing up. What was education like for you? Were you homeschooled yourself? Did you go to brick and mortar? What was it like? I, I was fortunate to live on a farm in my early, early years. And so I didn't go to kindergarten. At that time, my my siblings were going to a small private Christian school. So those first few years of life were just playing on the farm, playing outside, having lots of exploration. And then I went to first grade at this small Christian school and did actually a curriculum that um, is called, I think it was like the ACE Paces. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I have, yeah. <laughs> a lot of small private schools use them, but they aren't as creative as I would like. And then, and then there was a few years during that whole season where I did homeschool. My parents listened to a Raymond and Dorothy Moore podcast and so they just pulled us right out, but my mom worked. So they didn't, they didn't really have the capacity to educate. So we, you know, we had a variety of homeschool experiences. My parents were very non-traditional in terms of their expectations for us. Most of my siblings actually either graduated early or um, didn't graduate at all. And I have one sibling who uh, he was pulled out of school when he was 10 he um, just self-educated from that point and then got a degree from Berkeley. So very liter literary heavy family, big on thinking and talking, but not necessarily big on traditional education. Not a lot of form, you know, traditional formal. So did you did you grow up? Because I know you're in California now. Is that where, where the farm was or where, where was that farm? Yeah, the farm was in Alberta, Canada. And then I spent several years in Oregon on the coast. And then we ended up in California. Now, from what I knew, uh, um, some of the states that you mentioned are not necessarily known as like the most homeschool friendly. Uh, was that was it the same back then or was it still kind of like they let you do your thing? You know, my parents probably felt a little nervous about it. Like, I don't think we were necessarily allowed to go outside because while we were homeschooling, we lived in more of a suburb. And I think that we were kind of supposed to stay indoors during those hours. So it was it was real different. Wow. Fascinating. And so then um, what was after that? Did you uh, did you go to college? You know, what were kind of the next few years? And then, of course, what led you to homeschool yourself later on? Yeah. So I if you read my book, you'll know that I I took the California high school proficiency exam at when I was 15 years old. And then I uh, did some community college and got married at age 17. But once I started having kids, my youngest or my second child had special needs. And so I started, I mean, I've always been a reader, but when I found that was a struggle that we had, I just started reading on education. So I've read hundreds of education books throughout my 32 years of marriage, 28 years of parenting. 
and really enjoyed self-educating in the realm of education. It's such an important, um, it's so important that people have understanding. And that's really what led me to create the Peaceful Press is that the preschool resources that I saw available for homeschoolers were so lacking on the developmental end, not enough fine motor work, not enough large motor work. And if you don't do that early, you really jeopardize some of the academic abilities of our children. Interesting. So, uh, and I'm, I'm going leading fully into all the stereotypes, right? But, um, you know, we, we, we are often told that, you know, if, especially if you have kids with special needs, public school is your only way, right? Because they can accommodate everything. Um, now, you, you chose to homeschool. Um, t- talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, we didn't know exactly what the issue was early on because she had some sensory stuff, but at the time sensory processing disorder was barely even a diagnosis. And so I was just reading on autism and developmental delays and all of the things. And we really chose to just deal with it ourselves. Maybe partly at the time, HSLDA talked a lot about the possible interference from officials. And so we were like, okay, we're going to pay for speech therapy ourselves. We're going to pay for occupational therapy. We're going to pay for this testing. We went after helping her the best we could, but we had the confidence to do it ourselves uh, for better or worse. You know, she, um, she's 26 years old now. She's a great reader. So many of the issues that she had, she overcame, but there's still, she still has that, um, you know, a little bit still processing disorders that inhibit things. So, so you're, you were just reading, avidly reading, reading all the books. Um, was that, that lead you to, um, to the Charlotte Mason approach? Was that, was that something that you discovered at that point? And, and for our audience, um, and we talked a little bit about pre-recording here, um, you know, CLG, we work with a lot of, um, folks kind of, uh, sometimes we say we're kind of convening all the different pockets of, of classical or this educational renewal, homeschooling renewal. And, and sometimes when I talk to folks outside of that, um, the perception is that 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 classical is kind of a monolith, right? And that it's it's like that's one way to do it. And maybe they've heard of Dorothy Sayers and the law school learning, you know, and that's that's about all. And everyone does it the same way. Um, we both know that's obviously not the case. So tell us, talk to us a little bit about about that journey, um, you know, all the reading that you did. And then how did you discover Charlotte Mason? Yeah, so actually, Charlotte Mason was one of the first educational philosophies that I was exposed to. I read the book, The Charlotte Mason Companion by Karen Andriola. And so we right away implemented some of that nature and art and and, um, the literature. That was a big part of our life. But because I was also researching special needs, I, I almost, I didn't take issue with the quiet growing time. The first, you know, the um, birth to age six, where it's supposed to be just this quiet growing time for young children. But the thing with our modern world is many families are not having the ideal at quiet growing time. Children are not playing outside as much as they they did. So they're not having those sensory experiences. Babies are given those little pouches. So the fine motor skills developed when you pick things up off a tray aren't being developed. And young children are on devices too early. So when I developed the peaceful preschool, it was sort of to combat, even though I believe in the Charlotte Mason philosophy, I think a lot of families do not implement the quiet growing time she would have envisioned. And then there is a danger of children getting to the academic years and not being able to track words on a page or not being able to hold a pencil and do a decent amount of copy work 
because those underlying motor skills haven't been developed sufficiently. Wow. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Um, well, and, and talk to me. When was that book? When was that book for, published? Do you remember? The Charlotte Mason Companion, probably in the early nineties. It was it was a recent right. book, and and I went on to read um, the teaching the trivium by Harvey and Lori Bluedorn. It's their kind of Hebraic classical system. And obviously the well-trained mind, I think every homeschooler in the nineties probably read that book. So we did in our homeschool life, we did implement some of, uh, some of that classical, um, side with the Charlotte Mason, but the main thing that characterized our homeschool was just a lot of reading aloud, a lot of discussing books and, uh, so much time in nature. Well, and, and uh, you mentioned the peaceful press, and, and uh, I, I'm so intrigued by this. I'm currently reading or rereading Joseph Pieper's uh, Leisure of the Basis Culture, right? And it's a lot about, right, restful learning, right? This 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 idea of, of scole, um, and this this, and I guess peaceful, right, kind of goes hand in hand with that. So, talk to me a little bit about uh, about that. Um, what was kind of the 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 impetus behind founding the peaceful press and then the peaceful preschool and and what role does this 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 restful learning place in your program? Well, I love that you asked because one of my life mottos is that earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush of fire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. And I feel like parents often in a fear, out of fear that they are going to mess up their kids or not school them enough. They overschool their kids. And I've seen, you know, some of my friends who were classical educators hit all the, all the, like did everything right, but their children grew up with no soul because they were, they worked on the head and they forgot the heart. And so I believe that, you know, we can read the best books of their children, discuss them, write about them, narrate them, you know, incorporate classic music and art and languages but still leave a little space for wonder, leave a little time for your child to go outside and just look at the trees and, you know, think and process what they learned. I feel like families too often over schedule the schooling at the expense of the child's soul. Oh, that is so beautifully said. And I could not agree more. Now, my, my background was more with the older kiddos and you work more with the younger, but but I, it's, 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 it's probably very similar where I sometimes felt like... I have a problem with the word rigor, or at least with the word how rigor is applied. And so much is just rigor just means more, 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 keep them busy, keep them busy. And I always thought about rigor, the intensity with which you do something, not necessarily the quantity of which you do. And so you can rigorously read a poem, you know, 15 lines, and you can get as much out of it than reading an entire collection of poetry, right? Uh, and so I always... I always kind of kind of struggled with that um, and 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 the busy work that 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 we tend to. And so you're saying that even in homeschooling, you've you, you've seen that happening. Um, oh, 100 percent. People just out of fear that they're not going to do enough. They do too much. And I'm a big believer in having also physical work like one of my children who um, he was in some ways the least educated. He's the middle of seven and he. I, you know, the older daughter with special needs and then the oldest daughter who was obviously getting the most because I was so excited about educating her. And so, you know, he didn't necessarily write essays until maybe junior high. He did some community college early on, but he worked at, he worked earning money when he was 14 doing construction work. And he worked with my husband at an orphanage when he was probably 10. And when he was 12, he was volunteering with a contractor helping build our house. So 
he, he was always doing physical work and then he was reading a lot and his, you know, he graduated salutatorian on the Dean's list. He um, just was in, in a lot of ways, self-educated, but because we had this atmosphere where reading was enhanced or was encouraged um, and then work was encouraged. I think he had that balance of some time to process what he was learning, lots of time in nature to think about it and, and a, and a real connection with God that I think enhances our ability to understand because there is, you know, what is the beginning of wisdom? It's the fear of the Lord. Right. Wow. Um, well, congratulations. I mean, it looks like all of your kiddos are, are just, are just incredible in, in their own ways. And they're also different. Right. Uh, and so actually, let me ask you about this because uh, you have quite the wide age range between your, your seven kiddos. How has your, uh, homeschooling evolved over the years, whether it's in pedagogy and curriculum or whatnot. Right. You know, one of the things that we've been the most, we've been very consistent is our morning time. Every day we gather, we read the Bible. I read from uh, maybe some literature or I'll read Richard Mayberry books. I'll read some economics. You know, there's a wide variety of what we read in that morning time, but consistently for 25 years, we've gathered to read together and talk about what we read. And so I, that is one of the real consistencies. Um, some of the things that we're doing differently, you know, with my older children, I had some of my boys start at the community college at age 14 doing classes. I feel like teens do learn better in community if possible, but then I'm a little bit more hesitant with that with my last two. And so they're taking co-op classes for some of the subjects that in high school are not my strong points, things like math or lab science. I really feel like lab science is an important part of the high school experience. And if I'm not willing to mix things up in tubes, then I'm going to have somebody else help my kids do that. <laughs> right. Very much so. Well, let me transition here because this is this is super exciting. The timing could not be more perfect uh, because just uh, earlier this month, uh, you published your or your new book was published um, and it's called Mothering by the Book, The Power of Reading Aloud to Overcome Fear and Recapture Joy. Uh, first of all, I love that title. It's a lot to unpack here. Uh, maybe we'll start with what inspired you to write the new book? And then just in general, what is it about? Well, what inspired me is that I'm a mom. And so I think that almost guarantees that I'm going to deal with worry and fear. You know, I, I adore my children. I want the best for them. I'm so excited about being a mom. But I think that there's so many decisions that we have to make as moms and, and fear can get in there and make it really messy. And, you know, what I realized, especially in retrospect, is that, you know, some of the times in our life that could have been really beautiful, I was so worried about my kids and was this good for them? Was this the best for them? That it stole a lot of the joy from the moment. And if I could have just learned a little bit more to maybe live in the moment and put away those fears of the future their their childhood would have been even happier. There could have been so much more joy in some of those moments and more connection because the problem is when us as moms get worried, we get all up in our heads, our faces look bleak and our children start thinking they are the cause of our worries. They start thinking they've done something wrong to make us feel this way. You know, and so there's such an imperative. I mean, the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There's such an imperative to learn to be happy. And sometimes that means that we talk to a counselor, we talk to somebody. Um, Alfred the Great said, if thou hast a fearful thought, share it not with a weakling, 
whisper it to thy saddle bow and ride forth singing. And I think there's such an um, urgency for us as moms to start to sing and be happy in our day-to-day lives so that our children can see the beauty and the joy that we experience in raising them. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's powerful. Um, so is it, is it, a, is it a balance of, cause it, what you're saying, it sounds in a way, almost a bit more philosophical in, in approach, but are there also some, some kind of practical kind of applications on how, how can you apply all that? For sure. So in the book, I, I've been reading out loud to my children for 25 years. So in the book, I bring in all of these lessons that I learned while reading aloud. You know, I read the book Cheaper by the Dozen and learned that if they could develop good habits, we could too. And I read the book Little House on the Prairie, and I saw how Ma was thankful even in the worst of circumstances. And I recognized that my unthankfulness or my complaining was detrimental. So, you know, I was reading so many educational books and self-help books, but really what changed my perspective and gave me in a sense, more wisdom about how to approach the day-to-day struggles was this book, this um, p- process of reading out loud and then learning from my literary heroes. Oh, man. Um, well, so I- I'm not a homeschool parent. Uh, I'm a former uh, teacher, literature teacher at that. And so for someone like me who might not be a, a, a homeschool teacher, and we have a lot of listeners that are, you know, in a school setting, um, Obviously, I'm assuming you you would still recommend the book to them. What is something that they can take away from the book and why should they get it? Yeah, so it's not a specifically homeschooling book at all. I even there's one chapter where I talk about the fear of not doing enough. And even in that chapter, I'm very explicit that there are many ways of doing what needs to be done with our children in terms of education. But I think that the the idea of not of being thankful or the idea of being present or the idea of taking leadership where you need to take leadership, all of these ideas are applicable to mothers, whether they homeschool or their children are in private school or whatever your schooling situation is. I love that. And, and, you know, you mentioned earlier, just kind of, we get so busy and we're trying to, you know, not to fail and we get afraid. Like, are we, you know, I was in the seven through 12 setting. There's all this, are the kids going to be ready for all these things that we shouldn't even worry about that much, but we do, right. It's just, it's just, it's just what we do. Um, and, and I used to embarrassed to say that I, I taught AP classes, which, oof, uh, I have a whole other new understanding of, of kind of the intricacies of, of that. Um, but there's so much about hitting those boxes, right? And you just gotta, and here's how you have to write your essay and follow this exact, mo- there was not a lot of freedom, not a lot of creativity. And, and after doing a couple of years, I just felt like I, I'm not serving these students. They're, they're getting burned out before even going to college. You know, and so once, at least once a week, we would just do read alouds. And those were 11th graders. And it was their absolute favorite time just to read out loud. And then they wanted to model that. And then they told me, you know, they started doing it with their families. There was such a power in doing that. And so I, I applaud you for 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 putting that back on in the forefront of our minds. We should do more more reading aloud. It's 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 so great. Right. It's so beautiful for being a connected family. Like our family has so many shared memories and vocabulary around the books we've read. You know, we can talk about going on an expotition in in um in honor of Winnie the Pooh, or we, you know, we we look at the way little britches handled his life and it inspires us to handle our life with grit and integrity. So there are, you know, beyond overcoming fear, there are so many benefits as a family to taking 
you know, maybe it's just a half hour in the evening, maybe it's an audiobook in the car. And I love that you read to your students because studies say that fewer and fewer students are reading on their own. And so, you know, being able to expose them to the beautiful ideas and vocabulary in these books is so essential. And so many see it as a chore, right? I mean, it's just the thing that is assigned versus the thing that is just beautiful in and of itself and to be enjoyed, right? And I think that's that's often the case, right? When we just, you know, assign 40 pages of, of the Grapes of Wrath, well, I would I would probably get overwhelmed and not enjoy it either, right? Um, but 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 reading uh, for its own sake and just enjoying the beauty of the language. Um, and I gotta say, I now do it with my wife. We read out loud together every evening, and 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 it's just the most beautiful quality time um, that we can spend. Well, uh, the last question of the Anchor Podcast is always my favorite. Uh, oftentimes, for uh, our guests, is the most difficult one because they have to pick. Uh, and usually our, our, our guests are, are avid readers. Um, and so the question is always, what is the one book or one text that has impacted you the most? But given, given your new book and the reading aloud, I kind of want to uh, add another question to that. If, if, if there is a distinction, um, what is the one text that you enjoyed the most as a read aloud? And maybe there's a memorable, uh, you know, a family memory on that. And then also, you know, what's kind of the one text that has impacted you the most as a person. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to pick. I mean, if I scrolled you around my room, like I'm going to actually slide this over so you can just see this is on my nightstand right now. That's a little, I feel like that's a bit on the dangerous side. (laughs) So, um, you know, I read, I read prolifically and it's hard to say one um, I'm reading run with horses by Eugene Peterson right now. and loving that. But as far as read alouds, I think, you know, the little house, the Narnia and the little britches series, all of them taught us so much, but for one book that really inspired leadership in our family and really inspired great character was Shackleton's endurance by Alfred Lansing. There are a few different versions of the story, but the story is such an incredible picture of grit, uh, endurance of leadership, even the way that Shackleton was able to stay positive and keep going in the face of such failure spoke to me deeply as a mom that, you know, as moms, we often feel like we've failed or we have all this regret, but this, to see the way that Shackleton, after he had failed in his expedition, picked himself up and kept on leading his men and in in so doing saved all 26 men. He got them all to safety, which is an incredible story. So definitely, even even personally, Shackleton's Endurance is probably up there among the very favorite books. So I'm just, I'm so grateful that so many people have taken the time to write down their stories and the way it shapes our lives, you know, obviously overcoming fear, but in so many ways, helping us to develop character and helping us to develop integrity. And this is why in our homeschool, read alouds with a redemptive living storyline are the core of what we do. Oh, I love this. I love the Jennifer. Um, well, this has been so refreshing and such a joy uh, to, to talk to you. Um, again, we're here with Jennifer Pepito. She's the founder of the Peaceful Press and the author of a new book that just came out this month. It's called Mothering by the Book. Uh, Jennifer, what a delight. Thank you so much for being on today. Thanks for having me, Soren. What an honor. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Anchored. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.